0: Happy holidays and welcome to one of two year-end editions of Some Like It Pop from Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Taminini, and as always, I am joined on the other end of the country by the brains of our operation, Jennifer McHugh. Jen, happy holidays. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay. How are you, Matt?
0: Good, good. Glad that we have an opportunity to do this, to dive into all of the stuff that we've loved here in 2023. What we're going to do here on this episode is we're going to run through our top 10 favorite pop culture things, whatever those might be, from the past calendar year. Jen, as we've been doing these for the past couple years, I am going to refrain from doing anything theater related. mainly because there are other episodes in this podcast feed that people can already listen to that have all of those things, that they can hear me talk about my favorite plays, my favorite musicals, my favorite theatrical moments, all of that stuff. But if you, of course, want to include anything theatrical, you are welcome to do so. And I shall. Good. So what we are going to do here is we will go through our 10 through 6 favorite things real quick in order, and then we will alternate back and forth between our fives all the way down to ones. Jen, before we dive into that, with all of the craziness that happened in pop culture this year, mainly because of the strikes, both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, what was your overall feeling about TV, movies, films, books, whatever, this year? Well...
1: I think there are some excellent things to talk about. And I think there are things that we'll never talk about again. Um, You know, it it really ran the gamut of everything. I think there were a lot of projects and things that came out during the strike that may have been undiscovered gems because nobody promoted them. Nobody talked about them. And I think in the years to come, we're going to be like, this is a great movie. Why didn't anyone talk about this? Oh, it came out in July of 2023.
0: Okay. Are any of those things going to be on your list?
1: Uh, there are a few. Yes, definitely. But okay. I think for the most part, the things I'm going to talk about are pretty well known. Okay, It's just my love of discovering them.
0: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right. Do you want to do your 10 through 6? Do you want me to start? You can start. All right. So I'm going to go here with, with my number 10, but it's actually... I could probably tie this in with another one, so I'm going to do a little bit of a a cheat and a smuggle here. But in number 10, I'm going to go two different Netflix series that I enjoyed tremendously. I don't watch a lot on Netflix, to be quite honest with you. But these two series were kind of like part thriller, part action, but also... Varying degrees a little soapy in ways one more than other others. So I'm going to do the night agent and the diplomat here at number 10. Um, If I had to pick between them I would actually go the diplomat higher because it has Kerry Russell so of course so I have the diplomat at number 10 and then in a very similar vein over on Apple TV plus I have hijack as number nine which starred Idris Elba which was it a great show uh, were either of these or any of these three's great artistic achievements? No, but they were really, really fun and I enjoyed all all of them. Um the next one I have at number eight, I guess, is a book that was also turned into a miniseries. The book was actually from 2021. The mini series was from 2023, but I read the book and watched the miniseries this year. I would rate the book higher But that is Laura Dave's book, The Last Thing He Told Me. It was then turned into a miniseries starring Jennifer Garner and Andre Rice, who is getting ready to star as Katie Heron in the Mean Girls musical movie. Uh, I enjoyed the book a little bit more. This is interesting, Jen, because it was one of those books that I felt was a little bit plodding at first. And I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. It was like, oh, nothing's really happening. And then when it kind of gets to it, even though it's not as necessarily as high octane as I expected it to be, I was really captivated, kind of surprisingly captivated. And I think that applied to both the book and the um, and the series. So the last thing you told me, both reading and watching.
1: Um, I had not read the book and oh, okay. I watched the series and I really enjoyed the series. And you told me the things that you just said. Um, I feel about Jennifer Garner the way you feel about Carrie Russell. So I am madly and madly in love with her. She does no wrong. Even her horrible holiday movie that just came out, I enjoyed every second of. Um, it's a terrible script, but everyone's delightful in it. And so I really enjoyed it. So I'm glad that it didn't completely disappoint you and you enjoyed it enough to oh yeah to get through it. I thought it was cast really well.
0: Yeah. And there were some book to miniseries adaptations this year that did really disappoint me so uh the fact oh, that I'm this aware. is on the list yeah uh still still rings true now this is the one thing on my list here at number seven that is somewhat theatrical but I it's it was it was a concert but it was of an absolutely theatrical living legend and that was Mandy Patinkin in concert colon being alive uh, I drove out to Fort Myers to see Mandy Patinkin, and does he still have the voice like the uh, that he had as Shea or George or even a decade ago? No, but God, is he charismatic and he's he so powerful? He's going to be in Orlando in March, so I think I'm going to try to get tickets for that as well. But just absolutely incredible, and uh, anytime I can see Mandy Patinkin, it is worthwhile. And then in number six, Jane, is a show that I've really, I probably, if you, I don't know, depending on the day, I might have had in my top five, but I really, really enjoyed shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. It's such an incredible cast. Jason Segel, Jessica Williams, uh, Michael Yuri uh, Krista Miller, and of course, Harrison Ford in a uh, comedic role that we don't get to see from him very often. And I didn't love necessarily the idea behind the setup, but what they did that was really smart was after the first couple episodes, they just kind of got rid of the setup, which I thought could have been semi-problematic. And then it just turned into like this cool hangout workplace-ish comedy with a ton of characters who are all a little kooky, but I really, really enjoyed every single one of them. So shrinking on Apple TV Plus was in my number six slot.
1: Always worth mentioning that that was filmed in my
0: neighborhood. Of course. Yes. And as you have many times. Um, (laughs) it was created by Bill Lawrence, who is one of the best, Jason Siegel, and Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso fame. So
1: I haven't watched it yet. It's actually on our holiday list to get started because we just finished a bunch of shows. So,
0: okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what you think about that. So, all right. What are your 10 through six?
1: Okay. So, my number 10, um, I'm I want to put two summer movies that were very small movies, but really made me happy, which were theater camp and are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, which both tapped into my youth, both from reading this prepubescent book when I was young to theater camp kids. And I mean, I know that you watch theater camp, but it was just this wonderful celebration of the weirdness that are theater kids. And wall poking fun of them but also like just worshiping the ground they walk on i just i just loved it and are you there god it's me margaret is a book from the 70s that no one's ever made into a movie and i was just like why are they going to do this now and it was so well done and rachel McAdams is just becoming one of my favorite actresses ever and i saw both of those in july during a tough time and they both made me insanely happy um Number nine, I can't really apply this to 2023, which might come up a few times because I was trying to get out of the present moment and go for nostalgia. But I like to rewatch shows, and I know you don't do that because you're always like, I don't have enough time for new shows. Like, but when, right before I go to bed, I like to watch old shows. So this year, I rewatched Lost, Twin Peaks, and right now I'm rewatching Taxi and Barnaby Jones. <laughs> Okay, And I know it sounds silly, but it's just so oddly comforting to just rewatch things that you've either never seen before you were born or to watch something you watched once and go back and revisit it. I was a huge fan of Lost, but I'd never seen it since it originally aired. And going back and watching it, I was like, oh, man, this is way better than I remember. You've got it. You've got a
0: Lost tattoo, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. With a Dharma Initiative logo,
1: right? I do. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad it held up because if it didn't, it would have been <laughs> awkward.
0: Yeah, your number nine and ten, the beginning of your list here is very, uh, is going to be very much appreciated by dear friend of the show, Mary Lou Henner, because you mentioned a movie that her (laughs) son co-wrote and co-directed then a TV show that she starred in. So uh, if she wasn't already listening, I'm going to have to make sure that she knows that you were very much enjoying the work of her and her family so far in 2023.
1: I do adore her and I did meet her once and she was one of the loveliest people I've ever spoken to. So I hope she is listening. And that's not just playing to the crowd. I really, truly, really (laughs) adored her. My number eight was a book. Um, There's a popular indie bookstore here in Pasadena called Romans. And we like to support our local bookstores. And this cashier recommended this book to me and it was fantastic. And it's called Far From You by Tess Sharp. A murder mystery YA queer love story. And I had no idea where it was going. And I really, really enjoyed it. So high recommendation there. Number seven and number six are TV shows. Very, very different from each other. Number seven is A Murder at the End of the World. Um, This was created by Britt Marling. And I can't remember the guy's name, but they created the OA together. And this was a seven-episode limited series for Hulu. Again, murder mystery set literally at the end of the world in Northern Iceland. Um, This was one of those TV shows, usually with a murder mystery about episode three or four, I'm like, I think I know what's going on. Until episode seven, 30 minutes in, I had no idea how it was going to end. So I really, really enjoyed it. And then the final season for my number six of Reservation Dogs, I cannot recommend this series enough And I'm really, really sad that it's over because that's the third show in three years written by Native people that has been canceled. And I think that's representation that we need, not only because they're Native, but because they're producing high quality stuff. And learning about reservations in the U.S. was absolutely foreign and fascinating to me. And I just hope that more people watch the show because it was just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I will note that Reservation Dogs is ending, but it was not canceled. The creator, Sterling Harjo, decided to end it after three seasons, so a little different, but still in terms of the representation ending, um, he felt like this was where the story was was ready to wrap up, but uh, but the point still stands, so very good. Um, all right, so let's get into our top five. I'm going to start with a show that I know for a fact that you didn't watch, but... I think your sister might have uh and that is the way home it aired on the Hallmark Channel and it is getting ready to start its second season in January this starred Kyler Lee who from is from my era of teen movies which I, I always loved it always also starred. Andy McDowell, and a host of other people who I don't know, but I can almost guarantee are all Canadian because, of course, it filmed in Canada because it's on Hallmark. It is a show that delved a little bit into time travel, but also some of the sentimental kind of family drama that you would expect from Hallmark things. It did not have the feel-good rom-com feel of a normal Hallmark movie, but it did have some of the sentimental feel-goodness that... Um, uh, that you would expect from the channel. There is, um, like I said, there's some time travel, kind of alternate timeline things going on that was fun. It kind of felt like a book that I would have read that might have been by Rebecca Searle or something like that. The first 10 episodes, I think the first three episodes are amazing. The last three episodes Uh, are amazing that middle portion which often happens in series was a little wonky but man I thought the first three or four episodes the last three or four episodes really hit well and you know not a surprise with me watching something on Hallmark I was emotional at every episode and all of these sentimental things so um, if that sounds like something you would enjoy check out the way home I don't want to tell say too much about what's actually going on because it takes you a while to figure out with you know I don't want to spoil anything but kyler lee andy mcdowell fantastic playing mother and daughter and uh uh, i really really liked it And i'm very much looking forward to season two starting here in a couple weeks
1: yes my sister and matt have never met but they (laughs) share this inexplicable bond over hallmark so he is definitely right that she watched the show but i have not i also don't get the hallmark channels i don't have
0: access like you do right because you're a cord cutter and don't have like cable or any live streaming service right or anything right
1: like that. yeah okay i think it's available on peacock i i think they have yes. some of their stuff now
0: yeah but, uh, but how it works with peacock is is anything that airs on hallmark you can watch for 72 hours after it originally airs then any time like they also have the live channels you can watch it in and then it will have some things on demand for longer than that like every month they have a new slate of on-demand things so i actually watched this on peacock like the day after each episode aired i would just watch it on peacock that way i didn't have to worry about commercials or anything like that
1: i always forget that i'm talking to the guy from the streamable like of course you know
0: yeah (laughs) all this stuff very much where i can also talk about (laughs) hallmark movies now which is their proprietary streaming service um not as good as the as the uh, peacock for licensing reasons but but yeah okay. all right so what is your number 6 jen
1: my number 6 are two podcasts um number 5 kind of, i'm sorry
0: number 5 number, number five. 5 yeah yeah
1: two podcasts kind of overlapping i i still love late night tv and i wonder if that's a product of my generation i know it's not popular with a lot of younger people but i'm a huge fan of seth meyers and over the strike Um, five of the late night hosts got together and did a podcast called strike force five. That is Jimmy Kimmel, John Oliver, Seth, Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert. Um, It's only 12 episodes because thankfully the strike didn't last much longer after they started the podcast and they used the ad money to pay for their staffs, which is a good thing. Now it starts off chaotic but episode five of Strike Strikeforce 5 is one of the episodes that I have laughed the hardest at in my whole life. It is a masterpiece. Um, they switch being hosts of the podcasts. And on this episode, Jimmy Fallon is the host. And he messes it up so bad that all the other hosts just just, just destroy him. And I'm not a huge Jimmy Fallon fan, but I appreciate that all these other guys just... Rail on him for how bad this episode is. And he it's just one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And then Seth also started a podcast with his brother called Family Trips. Now, I know there's three billion podcasts. And it's really hard to come up with a new concept, but Seth and his brother are interviewing people about the trips they took when they were younger. And it is a fascinating topic and they have gotten some fantastic stories from people, you know, so those are the two podcasts that I've been really enjoying past few months.
0: I love that. Uh, Yeah. Lots of podcasts. Sorry about that. Uh, It's what we we white guys do. Uh, All right. So I'm going to stick with a vein for my number four. That was in line with my number five, and I'm just going to do Hallmark movies in general. Throughout the course of the year, you guys might know that I keep a spreadsheet of everything that I watch. Um, I don't like list every single episode of TV, but like every season that I complete, every movie, every book that I read, uh, every show, theatrical show I see, every concert I see. So I know exactly how many Hallmark movies I've watched this year. Jen, do you want to guess? Oh,
1: God. Yeah. Um... I'm gonna say 23. <laughs> oh god, I'm
0: low. I'm I'm low. Am I low? I'm scared. Very, very low. I have watched 83 Hallmark movies throughout the Matthew. course of 2023. Matthew. I mean, there's been there were more Christmas movies, and I've I've only missed like two Christmas movies. And uh yeah, so I've watched 83 Hallmark movies this year, and they do all the Hallmark movies, they just bring me joy. They're not good. But they're great, you know, if that makes sense. Like they're not going to be up there for Oscars, they're not going to be up there for Emmys. But there is just something satisfying and heartwarming and rewarding about them. Just shout out the ones that I ranked the highest because I rank everything. Mystic Christmas, Christmas by Design, Catch Me If You Claws, A Biltmore Christmas, Holiday Hotline, My Norwegian Holiday, Round and Round, which I gotta tell you, Round and Round was a was ostensibly a Hanukkah movie. But I'll tell you right now, if you to put home or if you to put round and round in movie theaters with, um, you know, a couple stars, it would have done very well. Like it, that one is one where you're like, Oh, that I see that as a real, uh, as a legit rom-com movie. So there were some great ones in there. There were some not so great ones in there. There were some ones for me that ranked down in the, I had like a five and a couple sixes in there, but for the most part, I just, I just love them to make me feel happy, um, and they're also something that I can like put on and not have to pay super close attention to, but you know, kind of like uh, my beloved General Hospital or the Voice or the Mass Singer shows that I watch religiously as well. Like I can be doing other things, but then I know when to pick my head up and pay attention. But this one just makes me feel good, it makes my heart warm, and uh I love me some love me some Hallmark. So 83 Hallmark movies down. I can tell you right now that we're recording this on February or on a Friday, December 22nd. There will be more. That will not be my final total because I will probably turn on at least one by the time this is over or as soon as this is over to wrap some presents to. But thus far, 83 Hallmark movies and I enjoyed every single one of them.
1: Now, the Gen X mean girl in me wants to make fun of you like really badly, but the 2023 life is hell. (laughs) <laughs> this this year has been terrible. Me is like, Oh my God, I'm so happy you found something that gives you this much joy and you don't have to think about, and you don't have to worry about, you can just tune out for an hour and a half. So kudos to you. Do what you gotta I, do.
0: I mean, this really, this is because of you. And I've we've talked about this before. Like when we <laughs> first started doing something like it pop, God, I don't even, is it 2005? Is that how long it was when we, or 2015? I mean, um, I was still in like full blown, like TV critic thing, only watching things that were serious and important. And you always talked about like just watch stuff that you like. And then 2016 happened, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I don't care about anything serious. I just want to watch things that make me feel good. So, my love of this, the fact that I still love The Masked Singer, like a lot of that has to do with you kind of opening my mind and just being like, who cares? Just watch whatever you want. So, Blame you, I guess, for uh, for for my love of these things, at least in part. So. uh, All right. So what is your next one, Jen?
1: My number four is, wow, what a weird segue. I read a few um, autobiographies this year that focused on mental health. Uh, The fact that they were written by stand up comedians made them funny But they're taking very serious topics from a humorous view. And I just think that's a wonderful way to approach mental health. One is Sure, I'll Join Your Cult by Maria Bamford. And the other other is Misfit by Gary Goldman. Maria Bamford has, uh, I don't know if you know her or not, but she has lifelong mental illness. And she talks about it very freely. The title being that like she she will fall for anything. (laughs) You, You want me to join your cult? If, as long as I'm pleasing you, I'll do it. And it really is a great look at her mental health journey. Gary Goman, he's one of my favorite stand-ups, and he actually went through electric shock therapy to help with his depression. Oh, it is a fascinating book about his adolescence and how he got to where he is now. And he also has a stand-up special on HBO called The Great Depression, where he talks about going through electric shock therapy as a treatment. Um, but both are, I love audible books that are read autobiographies that are read by the authors. So they're both read by them and you can hear it in the cadence of, even if you, they weren't reading them, you could hear their cadence if you know them, but they're both very interesting and a, a fun, not fun, but unique way to look at mental health.
0: Very interesting. Uh, I don't know either of those comedians, uh, at least by name. Maybe I would by face because I'd probably see them uh, uh, on different reels on Instagram or something. But uh, that's great to be able to blend those things and to get an important message out. Yeah. All right. My number three is a show that I actually have two seasons of on my list because – The lovely thing about this show is is that they do run two seasons every year, at least so far uh, they have. And I think that is going to be uh, the case here. They run them fairly quickly back and forth, and that is Slow Horses over on Apple TV+. Plus. What has been great so far is that the first two seasons... When the first season ends, they show you a trailer for the next season, and uh, we have the. By the time we're recording this, they have just the season finale of season three. So I'm looking forward to seeing the trailer for season four. It stars Gary Oldman, uh, Jack Loudon, Chris and Scott Thomas, and others. It is based on a book series by Mick Herron, and it kind of looks at a group of MI5 agents who have you know, got demoted, got in trouble, not enough to get fired, but enough to get put in a branch away from the main MI5 headquarters called Slough House, which kind of morphs into Slow Horses. And despite that fact, they continually find themselves in very important and very dangerous situations. Gary Oldman plays the head of Slough House, Jackson Lamb, who is slovenly and rude and very very flatulent and yet is also like one of the most experienced and brilliant minds in in the service over in in uh in Great Britain. So the show is great. It is six episodes in each season, incredibly taut, incredibly thrilling, but also funny. And so I love that uh getting ready to to wrap up season 3 and Gary Oldman who I think is probably a little problematic in his own right, but he has said he will continue to make these as long as they want him to because he loves it so much. So if you are not watching Slow Horses over on Apple TV+, Plus, I highly, highly recommend that. Did you say
1: flatulent?
0: Yes, he is very flatulent. Um, Just absolutely a mess of a human being, but also brilliant and smart and sharp and devious um, he's great. And then Kristen Scott Thomas plays second desk, the second person in charge at MI5. Tony award winner, Sophie Okonedo shows up as first desk, uh, in seasons one. And now it's season three, Jonathan price, Tony award winner shows up as uh, Jack Loudon's grandfather, who was a incredibly high respected retired MI5 agent. And then some other, Familiar faces are in there at times as well, including Olivia Cook, shows up in season one. Um, just a, a really, really great show, and it because it's only each each season is based off a different book in the series, so they really don't waste any time. They just dive in and they just keep going. And um, yeah, I love. I, I'm a big, big fan of Slow Horses. I think it is one of the best written shows uh, on television. Okay. All right. So are you on number three? Yeah. I yeah, am. You should yes. be on number three. Yeah. Good. What do you got, Jen?
1: My number three is season five of Fargo, which is currently airing right now on FX, I believe. I watch it on Hulu. Um, you're familiar with Fargo. It's it's a limited series, but every season has a completely different cast and different story. Every once in a while they link it to other seasons, but those are just really Easter eggs for people who have watched them all. You, they're all independently watchable. And season five is might be my favorite of all of them so far. And I've really loved them all. They've had huge guest stars in each season. Season one was Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Freeman. Season two was Ted Danson, Kirsten Dunn. Season three was Ewan McGregor and David Thewlis. And season four was Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman. And this season, it's Juno Temple, our beloved... Um, Keeley from Ted Lasso, Jennifer Jason Lee, who leaves no piece of scenery unchewed, Joe Keery from Stranger Things, Lamorne Morris from New Girl, Risha Morjani from, um, oh, what's that show on Netflix? Uh, Never I Have know. I Ever. Hmm. <laughs> and Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. And, of course, Mr. John Hamm playing a, whew, he plays a guy that you will not like. Anyway, we're halfway through the season. It is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know how Noah Hawley keeps coming up with these stories that are so self-contained but have so much to offer. All these characters are just fascinating and most everybody is playing against type, which I always love. So, season 5 of Fargo, as of the time of this recording, there's six that have aired out of 10. So, um, absolutely fascinating television.
0: Uh, it's on my list. I can't believe I haven't watched it. this when it came out has just been very busy, but I love the first two seasons. i season three was fine. i I didn't watch season four and uh, but I've heard how great season five is. So it is definitely on my list. Hopefully, I'll catch up over the holidays on that one. Number two for me, I cannot remember Jen. I feel like you watched this and we talked about it, but it came out um, back in the spring. And even though the spring was only like six, seven months ago, it feels like a decade ago. So I don't remember. But I do have the, the sense that we did talk about it. But number two for me is a show that aired exclusively on Peacock called Mrs. Davis. Did you watch this? Do I am I remembering correctly?
1: Yes, we had a lengthy conversation about it. I thought so. In fact, I believe you had watched a few episodes and said, do not text me until you watch episode three Ah, or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, It's brilliant. It's insane, but it is a brilliant show created by Tara Hernandez, who worked on, of all things, the Big Bang Theory and – Uh, Young Sheldon, along with Damon Lindelof from the aforementioned Lost, two people who you would think would not make any sense artistically together. And yet this show was just so perfectly constructed. It stars Betty Gilpin as Sister Simone, who is a nun hell bent on destroying an artificial intelligence that seemingly has taken over the world, but not in a malicious way. Like it seems to legitimately make everybody's lives better. But she is suspect of it and wants to destroy it. Her ex-boyfriend is played by Jake McDorman. Her husband is played by Andy McQueen. They all come in together in a really important way. The supporting cast is just phenomenal. Margot Martindale, Elizabeth Marvel, Chris Diamantopoulos, David Arquette, and others. I could not begin to tell you what this show was about really beyond that basic elevator pitch if I wanted to. But it involves the Holy Grail, the Knight Knights Templar, um, donuts. I, I mean, it is just absolutely incredible magic. It is just, uh, it is insane and bonkers, but so smart. Um, as I said, she is a nun. She is she is a devout nun, and so there's a lot of discussion in there, both overtly and subtly, and and subtextually about faith and i just thought it was absolutely brilliant i'm shocked that as i listen to podcasts about this past year in tv or read lists that this show has not popped up more on top 10 lists but i i really went along for the ride i understand that it is not for everybody but it was very very much for me jen
1: and i'd love to read the in the script, the character description for Chris Diamantopoulos, because Oh my God. He is a tour de force in this show. You there's nothing you can do to give him justice for their performance.
0: So good. I I mean everybody was great, but he is just bonkers off the wall in this. So if you haven't watched it, it is just eight episodes. I can pretty much guarantee with ninety nine point nine 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 percent certainty that there will not be a second season of of Mrs. Davis, <laughs> um, so eight episodes a great watch. It is so bonkers, but I can guarantee you that if you're open to something weird, you're gonna like it. All right, Jen, what is your number two?
1: My number two was the twenty twenty three touring. Company of Hades Town. Mm. I saw the OG cast on Broadway. And then I saw the touring cast when I came here. I think it was either last year or the year before. And it was it was good. You know, I didn't have any complaints about it. It was pretty good. But you always kind of have that chip on your shoulder, like, well, they're they're nothing like the original cast. And then this cast came in, and I mean, it may have been my favorite of the three, the guy that played Hades just took a different take on Hades. And I love um, Patrick page. I love him, but this was a young guy who played him real smarmy and real. It was just a, I It's so hard to describe him, but I was just mesmerized by him. His name's Matthew Patrick Quinn. I don't know if he's big on in New York
0: not but much, I no. started
1: following him on Instagram because I, I seriously was so moved by by him, and um, I also took my mother, who you know is recently widowed, and it was her first experience back in the theater. And then I took my best friend, who is one of my favorite people, but also very snarky, and they were both so mesmerized by this show like they weren't moving they were sitting forward in their seats and like when hades pops out the rose my mother gasped loudly and Mm -hmm. it was just one of those theater moments where you're like oh this is why we do this like this is why we love it and even though like i loved the performance i loved even more watching them love it and so that was my favorite theatrical experience in a really long time and um also tay Diggs was sitting in front of us so <laughs> that was really cool too because my i convinced my mother she wouldn't see any celebrities and she saw three in two days
0: <laughs> who else did
1: so, she see we went to a restaurant in hollywood and we sat next to ryan johnson and marissa
0: Tome. not bad that's yeah, pretty good she did pretty that's good pretty. so anyway so did she recognize ryan johnson or did you no,
1: she, uh, my boyfriend said, I think that's Ryan Johnson. And I looked over and I said, yeah, that's him. And she said, who's that? And I said, he directed Knives Out, which is one of her favorite movies. And she was like, oh, and she picked up her phone and we both just put her hand down like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was with a group of people and one of them was Mr. Marissa Tomei. We're like, I wonder if that's a scoop. Is she going to be in the next Knives Out movie? Like, We don't know. <laughs>
0: So. That's funny because I had to look him up. I would not have known that was Ryan Johnson, what he looked like. I had no idea what he looked like. So
1: well, we again back to late night. We know him from being uh, on Seth Myers. So fair, fair, he, fair,
0: fair, my
1: fair. boyfriend recognized him right away.
0: Very good. All right. So now it's time for my number one. And Jen, I have a feeling that we might have the same number one because I assure you we do not. Oh. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, there are, if you, this is number one on almost everybody's top 10 TV list this year, if you look at like the critics and stuff. Um, but to me, season two of The Bear is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. I, I think it was absolutely satisfying on every single level. Emotionally, intellectually, aesthetically, uh, I, I truly believe that one of the episodes was probably my favorite episode of television ever. Um, the episode called Forks and um, season season two, episode seven. It is just such a well crafted show about people who are not whole who are not perfect, who are looking for things, who are striving for things, but it is done in such a sympathetic way. Christopher Storr is the, the creator and everybody involved in the show, the cast, Jeremy Allen White, Evan Moss Bacharach, Io Edebiri, speaking of, of of theater camp, Lionel Boyce, Liza Colon Zayas, who I saw on Broadway this year as well, Abby Elliott, Maddie Matheson, like everybody just imbues so much heart and warmth and love into this show. And while season one, I think a lot of people talked about like, oh, if you worked in food service, you're going to have PTSD. And that is very true. Season two was different. Season two did what a lot of season twos do is they sent people out away from the place that the first season is set in and let them go on their own individual journeys. And in a lot of cases, these individual journeys focused on a whole episode of their own. And they were so satisfying, so emotionally um, poignant, cathartic in a lot of ways. And I truthfully just absolutely loved every second of it. I devoured it. I wept openly in multiple episodes. The arcs that people went on were so compelling and so real and it was interesting because the two main characters um, Carmi played by Jeremy Allen White and Sydney played by Aoa Beery, they kind of end the first season on highs when they're like deciding what they're going to do with this restaurant and they're doing feeling really good then in season two, everybody else kind of ups their game and grows and 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 shows a really positive arc in their narrative, while well, those two go the other way. So it was nice because in season two, we end on what is objectively a success for everybody involved, yet the two main characters are really, really struggling, which makes season three, it gives you somewhere to go. Um, and I cannot wait for season three to come back. I would imagine that. When we do the Emmys here coming up, it'll actually just be for season one. But I still think season one will win a lot, a ton of Emmys. Season two probably will win a lot of Emmys. And I I don't know if it's going to go beyond season three. But uh, this is a show, Jen. You said earlier, I don't like to rewatch shows. This very well could be a show that I watch again and again. There was 18 episodes, 8 in season one, 10 in season two. And really just love everything about it. So uh, I know you because your family has owned a restaurant. Maybe there, maybe that might be why you didn't uh, 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 cling on to it as much as I did, but I thought it was a perfect season of television.
1: No, I completely disagree with you. I worshipped this television show oh. because my family owned a restaurant. <laughs> like These were scenes that were taking out of the kitchen of our family restaurant. Uh, the only reason it's not on my list is because I knew you were going to talk about it. It's the best television of the year okay. unequivocally. And I think Forks is one of the greatest it should be go down in the archive as one of the greatest ever. But season six it, or episode six is very triggering.
0: Oh yeah. Especially
1: if you come from an Italian family who cooks the seven fishes, because yeah. it's very triggering. And the the guest stars in episode six is off the charts, but all of them fit in seamlessly. Nobody is there because of their star power and they stand out. They just blend into an ensemble. And the reason I think episode seven is so great is because episode six is pure chaos and episode seven is peace and discovering peace, knowing where you came from that chaos. And I think as a two-parter, six and seven are two of the greatest hours of television ever filmed. So I completely agree with you. Okay. Of course I do. I just made my number one more personal. This <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what is your number one then, Jen?
1: So this really doesn't have anything to do with 23, 2023 specifically. It's just something that brought me satisfaction in 2023. And I have publicized this and posted about it. And I talk about it all the time because it's one of the greatest things that we've ever done. And it is an album project. And what it is, is my boyfriend and I cook dinner every night. It's one of our favorite things to do. And we put on music and we cook dinner. So we sat down in July and we realized that the curated playlists from Apple were all coming up Broadway and New Wave, because those are the only two things we listen to. I love Broadway. He loves New Wave. And he played a song one night and I said, I've never heard this song. And he said, this song is great. You should hear the album. And we realized we never listened to albums anymore. So we sat down and made a spreadsheet like Matt Timonini loves to do. And we separated by decade and we just wrote down all of the classic albums we've never heard. We have heard but haven't heard in a while. Or we absolutely love and wanted the other person to hear. Then we farmed it out to our friends. What are your favorite 70s albums? What are your 80s albums? What are your 90s? My brothers, cousins from all over the country contributed. We have a spreadsheet that's thousands of albums now. And since July, we've been listening to an album every night. And as of now, we've listened to 105. And it has been the best thing that we've done because it made me kind of fall back in love with music again. You know, I was I was so stuck in a Broadway hole. Not that that's a bad place to be, but I never got out of it. I only listened to Broadway cast albums. And there's a world of music, literally, that I had just forgotten about or ignored or, you know, was just turned off to. And so in doing that, I just rediscovered some music that I used to love, music that I'd never heard, music that I never gave a chance, music that I rediscovered because I hadn't listened to it in 35 years. So that was my favorite thing of this year. And it's been a year of ups and downs, but like that was a constant to go back to lost um, of something that I could look forward to every night because I never knew what
0: I was going to get not i don't want to ask you like what are your favorites but what are some like like not in rankings but like what are some of the ones that you listen to and were like i love that either because you never heard it before or hadn't heard it in a long time like what are the ones that stand out to you as being the high points of this experience
1: well i'd always heard of the band three dog night because i knew jeremiah oh. was a bullfrog yeah and then we played one of their albums i'm like this is one of the best bands i've ever heard in my life and now i just want to listen to all their albums um my boyfriend played an album from this guy named brian eno who used to be in roxy music never heard of him before obsessed love him and and then there's albums that i haven't heard like 1990 please hammer don't hurt him was one of my favorite albums in 1990 (laughs) And I put it on and I knew every word to every song. I don't think I've listened to it in 30 years. And it was so much fun for us, you know, old Gen Xers to be dancing around the kitchen to please hammer don't hurt them. So um, I loved those. I loved Cheap Trick live at Budokan, just listening to a live concert from the 70s. Um, A lot of the 70s stuff was new for me. A lot of my Boomer Brothers contributed those, but they were really interesting. And we listened to some punk, which I've never gotten into punk. Um, like I said, New Wave. And, you know, we, we we disallowed soundtracks and Greatest Hits albums so that we could just hear albums from start to finish. And we're we're still in the middle of the 90s and we're going to go into the 2000s because n- neither of us know music from like 2000 on. <laughs> so now we're reaching out to the youths, my nieces and nephews and, you know, younger people we know and saying, like, what's a good album from 2000 on? So we're just really trying to expand our minds and fall back in love with music. And it was it was just filled with joy, this whole project. And I, I love every second of it.
0: All right, so I'm going to have a recommendation once you get to the 2000s, and I know that this might not fit into where you want, but I got to tell you, it's a banger, and once you finish rolling your eyes at me, if you actually listen to it, I think you'll actually enjoy it. It is called Autobiography by the icon of pop music, Ashley Simpson. You should, you should put that on the list. I'm not kidding. It's a great album. And, well, you uh, should know that
1: one of the mantras of this is that we don't say no to anybody.
0: Oh, oh! well, in that case, oh, you shouldn't have told me that.
1: <laughs> so even though there's artists that I say I don't like, there's genres I don't like. We have accepted suggestions from country music, which I don't like. Pop icons that I don't like. Um, everything, you know, because even if I don't like it at the end, I can say, well, I listened to it. It wasn't for me. So part of the the project is, you know, like, let's open our minds a little bit
0: okay uh i'm gonna i'm texting you to autobiography by ashley simpson and what's left of me by her former brother-in-law nick lachey uh both of them great albums underappreciated early 2000s pop albums so uh so there you go
1: and we'll send a call out to you listeners please send them in i need them
0: all right, so t- t- tell people where they can find you these days if they want to submit um, album suggestions.
1: Well, I I have abandoned Twitter. That's what it is, Twitter. Yeah. I've abandoned that. I'm available on Threads, Mastodon and Blue Sky under Eponine QQ mm. because someone took Eponine Q, I don't know why. So what? I'm available there. I don't post a lot. Uh, but it's just kind of a habit to just read through people bitching and moaning. I'm mostly on Instagram, but that's private. But all of my socials are up in QQ now.
0: Okay. Noted. Um, I don't have anything say off the top of my head other than like returning seasons. But is there anything specifically in 2024 that you were looking forward to?
1: 2024. Um, like pop culture wise? or just in my life
0: i mean i was thinking pop culture wise but if you want to throw something else out please Mm -hmm. feel free
1: well i mean it'll be nice to have the shows come back i I don't watch a lot on network tv but i love elementary so i'm excited for that to come back and then i got into will trent have you heard of that show
0: yeah based off of the uh karen slaughter character yeah Yeah. But Um, i haven't watched it but yeah
1: Yeah, I really like that show. So those shows are coming back in February. I'm pretty excited about that. The Mean Girls musical movie I'm interested in, even though people feel weird about it. Still interested love the
0: stage show. So, yeah,
1: so I don't know how it's going to be. And I'm excited for the movie Furiosa. Mm -hmm. The Mad Max prequel Um, that, that looks cool. Those are those are pretty much the top of my list. What
0: about you? I don't really, I, 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 this is a question I asked you without having an answer to, but, um, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but I, I don't have anything off the top of my head, but, um, I'm kind of scrolling through some lists right now. Um,
1: the girls five final season.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't finish season one. Um, so maybe now that it's all on Netflix, I can catch up, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that's great, but, uh, Yeah, it's not not on my, you know, I don't really have a list of this stuff. So uh, I should probably make one at some point, I guess.
1: (laughs) I'm just happy that 2023 is ending. So now that we can look forward to 24, we can start making lists of things to look forward to.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, you know, obviously because of the the strikes, it will be um, a little hit or miss uh, with... You know, things getting delayed and things getting pushed and all that stuff, but I think we should still have so, a, a decent amount of things uh, coming up here in 2024.
1: But I mean, we're always excited for a new season of Gabobo Great British, British Great British Bake Off. Like I've we never call it Gabobo.
0: I've never heard it pronounced that way before. So uh,
1: <laughs> we always nice. say Gabobo night. Oh, Matt, Matt turned me into a Gabobo fanatic, and we were furiously texting each other mm-hmm. after each episode this year. It was. It was one of my favorite seasons, I think. I really, really yeah. enjoyed this cast.
0: It, it's up there. I, I Season or series 13 or whatever. Uh, however, they're all differently numbered in collections. It's weird. But like last last year's was a little, nah. This year, though, was uh, was a, a return to form in a lot of ways. So uh, I did enjoy that. But All right. That is all that we have for this episode of Some Like It Pop. We'll be back with another episode here before the end of the year. I'm not exactly sure when each of these is going to air, but... Uh, again, you can follow Jen at Eponine QQ on different social media platforms. You can find me at BWW Matt. I'm not really posting anywhere other than Instagram these days. So get ready for playbills and CrossFit videos. Cause that's uh, really all that I do at this point. And my nephew and my eight year old nephew. So, uh, all right, everybody have a happy holidays, a wonderful new year. We'll be back to talk to you again soon.